So check this out. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, uh, verse 8, this is around the throne of heaven. This is what is sung in heaven right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. When we sang that a moment, we, we are joining with what is happening in heaven right now. There's nothing more uh, in tune and in line with singing the voices in the song of heaven than when we sang that just a moment ago, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus taught us to pray, um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that was actually a demonstration of that this morning. We, like that's what we were supposed to be doing together is demonstrating and practicing and joining the song of heaven. Just thank you for leading us in that song and, and singing that because it is, it is true. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the direct declaration is, is basically this. There is none like him. There's none like our God. And if that doesn't excite you, then you don't really know our God because there is none, none on earth or anywhere in all of the world like our God. Um, so one of the major pandemics in the world today um, is loneliness. And the pandemic that we're currently experiencing uh, has isolated us. And so the, the problem of loneliness continues to increase. And this is thrown uh, coal on this fire, wood on this fire of loneliness. Did you know that half the people in the world say that they experience loneliness in some way, shape, or form? The truth of the matter is there's all of us experience it in, in one fashion or form. And, and because of the, the season that we've been of isolating ourselves, that's even magnified even more because you're forced. And there's many people right now because of health concerns and safety that aren't getting out and that are not socializing in any shape or way, shape, or form. And so this, this bubble and this cell of loneliness is increasing in many people. Um, they say that loneliness, studies say that loneliness is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's how dangerous it is can be for your health. It's, it's more dangerous, many studies say, than obesity. And that it, it, it is you're 27% more likely um, or, or more in danger of, of death of some sort due to loneliness. Like this, the, the, that amplifies uh, just the threat and danger that we all have of, of dying. Um, millennials, the next generation is so terrified of loneliness and it's a major issue um, with the next generation um, who say that 46% of them say that uh, they are more afraid of being alone and loneliness than they are of cancer. Um, it's a serious, serious problem. And loneliness is one of those things that like, like whether you want it or not, you, you're going to deal with it in some way, shape, or form. And there is a sense that we do want it sometimes. Um, we, we, we like loneliness. In fact, we play games as kids that magnified and that practice loneliness. You've played the game hide and seek where you go isolate yourself somewhere and people are sent out to find you and you're hiding in that place. We, we played a game. There's also another game that you may have played. You ever played the game Sardines when you were a kid? And it, the difference of Sardines and, and hide and seek is that there's one person that finds someone uh, that is the finder in hide and seek. But in sardines, it's flipped around. One person goes and hides. 
And then it's everyone else's responsibility to go find that person. When you find that person, you hide with them. And so all of a sudden, that person who's hiding has now got a companion with them. And then basically, it's the last man out um, in that whole thing. When, when I was a kid, we used to play that game pretty regularly. And we would always end the game by sending the last person to go hide. And then we would leave and not go find the person. And they would be stuck hiding for however long. And they'd be thinking to themselves, man, I've done a really good job at hiding today. Isolation, loneliness, being alone is something that when all, in all of us, we, we experience. And it can have some really big negative effects in our lives. There are times that you want to be alone that you can't get alone. And there are times that you don't want to be alone, that you can't not be alone. This passage of scripture we're going to look at this morning reminds us this. That there is never a moment, an experience in our lives that God is not with us. That we are never alone. Because of the simple fact and truth in who he is, God is everywhere. There's not a place, there's not a moment, there's not a time there's not experience that God is not present in. And that in that moment, he's not fully in that moment. All of him, everywhere, all the time. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is an incredible psalm. Lots of great truth in that psalm. It's a psalm of David. We referenced it because it talks a lot about God. We referenced it last week a little bit. But I want to hone in and focus in on the question that David asked and the statements that he makes to answer that question in the middle of the psalm. Beginning in verse 7, David asked this question. In fact, would you stand in honor of God's word this morning? Psalm 139 Beginning in verse 7, David asked this question, where, where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I free from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You can be seated. God's presence is everywhere. That's what David is discovering here and explaining through his questioning and then his declaration here. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I free from your presence? The, the answer is nowhere. Because there's nowhere that God is not. He is everywhere. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to understand about God's presence everywhere. God is spirit. God is not like you and I. Now, we're made in his image and we have spirit. But God is spirit. He's not material. He doesn't occupy a space and a time. And he isn't limited by space and time. There's no beginning and end for him. And there's no limit of material space of him. It's, it's not that, that God is, is, is so big that he encapsulates everything, that he covers everything. It's not that God is this hall of fame, ultimate multitasker, that he can do many things and be many places at one time. 
It's not that God is just better at that than us. No, God is everywhere at every moment and actively present in every moment. He's not bound by physical location and he's not just better at that than anyone else. You know, furthermore, it's not that God is in everything or that he is everything. Several false religions would, would teach that, that God is in everything. And so the pew that you're sitting in, God's actually in that pew. It's, or that, that God is everything. That everything around us is God. And we're, we're, all, we're all, in a, in a sense, God. That's it's not what Scripture teaches. It doesn't teach that he is in everything or that he is everything, but that he is everywhere and that he is distinct in his presence there. Sort of like taking a sponge and putting it in water, pulling it out. If you submerge a sponge in water, that sponge fills up with water. But yet the water is distinct from the sponge. It's, it's completely covering the sponge and completely in the sponge, but it's distinct from the sponge. This earth, this world is God's and he is every place in it. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. Not a part of him everywhere, but fully everywhere. It's not that God is just so big and so much bigger than this world that, that everywhere in this world has a part of him in it. So like over here in the east, there's his elbow. And over here in the west, there's his, 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 his pinky finger. And right here is his foot. And right here is his nose. And, and there's just something in this world that there's a part of God, all of it. No, no, no. Everywhere in this world, in every moment, in every place, God fully occupies it. All of who he is is available and is present in all those places. It's hard for us to comprehend this because we're limited by that. We can only be in one place and one time. And even our ability to multitask to do multiple things and be in multiple places at one time is not real. You can't actually multitask. Your mind just switches from one to the next very quickly. And even though we have the ability with technology to be here, but also be present in other places, like right now, this worship service is broadcasting in homes across North uh, Charlotte and, and even beyond that. But it's not the same. Because as much as we want to, we're not in your living room and you're not here there's, there's a separation he is fully God everywhere and he is fully attentive and in control everywhere in all things at all times and so David asked the question in verse 7 which is quite a terrifying question where can I hide? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? There is nowhere and there is nothing hidden from God. There's no corner or cave or closet that God is not fully present and attentive and aware of. Though he is a God that oversees all things and that is transcendent, but he is also a God that is intimate, that is in 
us and with us everywhere. He declares in Jeremiah 23, verse 23, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God also far away? Am I a God that's not just here, but also there? Can a man hide himself in the secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. There is nowhere that you can hide from God. And that is very terrifying news. Because we can hide from each other. We can keep things from each other. There are things about you that I don't know and that you're not ever going to let me know. We can keep secrets. We can keep things hidden. There are things that you have so tucked away in who you are and in what you've done that no one else knows. We can hide ourselves. If we don't want to be around a person, we guess what we can do? We can go inside our homes and close the homes and we are enclosed in our privacy and no one's allowed in that place. We can hide and we can shield and we can keep people from seeing and knowing everything about us. Those closest to us know more about us, but there's still things about us that are hidden. But what God declares is that there is nothing hidden. He sees it all. He knows it all. The good, but also the bad and the ugly. There are things in your life that you will keep hidden until your grave. And me too. But before God, they're not hidden. He knew the thought before it happened. He saw the action. He sees everything. So there's nowhere we can run. There's nowhere we can hide. But there's another side to this as well. That we're never alone. There is nowhere we are away from God. That's what he declares in verse 8. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which is the place of death, this word was used sometimes to speak of the lowest places of hell and of death in the grave, you're there. From the highest to the lowest. From your best to your worst. From flying high to dragging low. From your brightest to your darkest. He is there. The world and the enemy would want you to think that you are alone. And want you to think that your life and things of your life are hidden but they want you to think that and feel that because it's negligence of the very nature and character of God and his presence with you he is everywhere at all times fully there now now that truth of God's omnipresence God being everywhere, and the flip side of that, meaning that you're never alone, is is really hopeful. It's laced with hope. But before we get that and get to there, we need to see the purpose that David finds in God's presence, because God's presence is everywhere. But what we also need to understand about God's presence is that God's presence has a purpose. There is a reason, and there's something He's doing with where he is. God is not just an idol or uh, is sitting idle or just shadowing you. 
No, God's presence has a purpose everywhere. David recognizes that God is doing something with him, with his presence. That he's not a shadow or an idle observer. But yet God is constantly, steadily, everywhere present doing something to and for David. And he's doing something to and for you and I. Now for David, David realizes this and he experiences this and it's a really positive thing. If I ascend to heaven, verse 8, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. See, action, purpose. For David realized that God's presence with him brought something and did something. There was a purpose behind and with God's presence. And, and the same is true of you. He's everywhere. He's with you. He's all over you. Nothing's hidden. And he has a purpose in those moments and with his presence with you. Now this is the crazy thing about God. Is that his presence is everywhere. And that he's fully present in every place and in every moment and in every experience. But in that presence, in different places, his purpose is different. So God has a one-track mind of his will, but in that will and his purpose and plan, there are many different things that take place in that will. So God's purpose and presence in this moment of your life right now could be different in 10 days in the moment that you're facing there. And God's purpose and presence with me could be different than his purpose and presence with you in what you're going through and in your life. It, it's, it's different. God determines how it's different. We could speak of just as unlimited as God is, so unlimited are what he's doing in each experience, in each presence, in each place. But throughout the Bible, there's primarily three things Three main things that we see God doing. Now, there's many things, and there's many different ways that God does these things, but there's kind of three main things that we see his presence and the purpose of his presence. And the first one is, is kind of a negative one. One of the purposes that God's presence has is punishment. David reminds us here when he says, if I make my bed in Sheol, if I go down the, de the place of death, the darkest place, even if I go to hell, <laughs> you are there. God's presence can have the purpose of punishment. Most often we see this through the wrath of God. And if you read your Bible from cover to cover, you cannot miss the fact that though this loving and good and righteous God, for him to be loving and good and righteous, there is a flip side to that coin, and that's wrath and anger against that which is not loving and good and righteous. And God has a wrath. And there are incorrect things that God corrects. Now, there's a teaching out there and there's an understanding out there that you may have heard that, that hell is the absence of the presence of God. That's what makes it so bad, is that God's not there. Well, if that's true, then, then, then God's not omnipresent then he's not everywhere. 
But here it says, even there, you're there. Hell isn't the absence of God's presence. Hell is the fullness of the presence of God's wrath. Hell is not bad because it's the place the devil torments us. No, no, no. If you look at Revelation and see what happens and who's punished in hell, do you know who's alongside us in hell being punished? The devil himself. He's thrown into the lake of fire as well. And there, him and every sinner that has not repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus Christ is facing the wrath of God there. What makes hell so horrifying is because in that place, what people want from the presence of God, they do not get. And what no man wants from the presence of God, they get. The fullness of God's terrifying and ferocious wrath. God's presence has a purpose, and sometimes that purpose is to punish. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Jesus is speaking of himself there, that the place of hell is a place that I will destroy the soul and the body forever. What makes hell so terrifying is God. Now, aren't you glad you came to church to hear that this morning? I think it's kind of sad that we can go to church and not hear what Scripture speaks so clearly of. Because He is a God to be feared. And this holy, holy, holy God, who there is none like, has a wrath. His presence is punishing. But something else we see in Scripture that is acknowledged here in this passage is that his presence is also sustaining. One of the things that God is doing everywhere, in every moment, in this place, in this world, in everything where he is fully present is that he is sustaining it. In fact, in the New Testament we see that this sustaining presence is something that Jesus does. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the writer of Hebrews says this about Jesus, that he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And notice this, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Think about that just for a moment. That everything that this, there is, this universe is upheld by the sustaining word of Jesus' power. He holds this together. In fact, Paul declares the same thing in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, this sustaining presence of God everywhere, everyone experiences. You're experiencing it right now, this very moment, the sustaining presence of God. You're experiencing it right now. You experience it every single day. In fact, David alludes to when you first began to experience it. In Psalm 139, 
Verse 13, he talks about this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Long time ago for you. For some of us, maybe not as long ago, but for some of you, a long time ago. The sustaining presence of God was the creating hand of God in you. And David speaks of in your mom's womb, he was there with you and he was sustaining you and he was putting you together. He was knitting you together in that special place. And because of his sustaining presence, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And from that moment forward, there's never been a moment that the atoms that God put in you, he does not hold together. The cells that you have, he doesn't hold together. Everything God holds together. And if God were to let off one moment of you, that would be the end. heart would not beat your body would not function he is holding everything together from your cells to your heart to the lungs that breathe the air he provides to the access and tilt of this earth to gravity itself, everything, he lets up one bit, one moment, is absent. And you, and me, and this world, it's all done. You know the ironic thing about this is that, is that many people, including us, don't realize and don't recognize sometimes God's presence in our lives. We don't recognize the sustaining presence of God in us. In fact, there are many that say, oh, he doesn't exist. He has nothing to do with anything. There's no God. The ironic thing about that is the very ability to have that thought that there is no God and to use the energy and breath and voice to say there is no God, God enables that to be said. It couldn't even have been said had his hand not been sustaining, which is ironic to think there's no God. And someone declared that. God could prove it immediately. Right then and there. Oh, really? Boop. You're done. Voice gone. Lungs don't work. Heartbeat gone. Or gravity no longer works for you and you're just thrown up in the air. He sustains everything. His sustaining presence. Everyone experiences, whether, whether you acknowledge God or not, whether you know him as your savior or not, whether you admit or whether you deny that there is even a God, his presence sustains you at every moment of your life. God's presence has a purpose everywhere. Purpose of punishment, a purpose of sustaining. But listen, this is the good one. This is the good one. And this is what the scripture helps us to see and this is what David experiences and this is what Jesus gives us God's presence has a purpose everywhere and one of the purposes of his presence that he wants us to experience is the purpose of his presence in blessing this is what David speaks of here specifically in Psalm 139 
If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in shell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Verse 10, here's the conclusion. Even there, from the highest to the lowest, to the furthest to the closest, I can't hide, I can't, I can't flee, I can't go anywhere. You're with me. And what are you doing with me? What is your purpose with me? David declares that even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. David was rejoicing and experiencing the fact that, God, you're everywhere. And one of the incredible things I experience in every moment of my life and every sense of your presence with me is the presence that you're leading me and you're holding me, that you're blessing me. You lead me, you hold me. And then he says this in verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. And David experienced that a lot. David was a person that experienced the emotions that we experience. And David knew what it felt like to be alone. And he knew what it felt like to be afraid. And he knew what it felt like to be depressed. David understood what it meant for darkness to cover him. And the light all around him, there was no light, it all be night. And then he says this. Here's the deal. Even the darkness is not dark to you. Night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. What he's saying is this, is that as bad as where I can be and what I'm facing and what I'm going through can be, you are better and you are with me. The incredible blessing, God's presence in his life. So that David declared elsewhere, you know this one, Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why is David able to say that? In the face of the valley of the shadow of death, in the worst moments of life, in the most difficult, dark moments of life, how is it that David can declare, I will fear nothing? He tells us why. For you are with me. The purposes of God's presence with his people is one of blessing. And for you to experience the goodness and the beauty and the power and the peace and the strength of his presence with you in everything. So to make that happen, God sent his son, whose name, one of them is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. To come to this place physically present with us and to die for us so that we could experience the goodness of God's presence. And we no longer have to fear the punishment of God's presence. And we can move beyond just experiencing the sustaining of God's presence and experience the blessing of God's presence. Jesus spoke about the presence that he has with us and God's presence with us in John chapter 15 and chapter 14. And in chapter 15, Jesus used this incredible illustration of the vine and the vine dresser. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, 
And what? I abide in you. Jesus goes on and he talks about that further. And at the end of chapter 15, or yeah, chapter 15, Jesus introduces us to someone that he's sending. He calls him the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will be with us. And then at the end of chapter 16, Jesus makes a promise. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but in me you will have peace. That's one of the hopes of the gospel is that it gives us God's presence, that we now have him with us, walking with us and moving through life with us. And in every moment, not only we have the sustaining work of God's presence, but now we have the active, attentive, blessing work of God's presence, the goodness of God's presence. Which leads us To the hope of the full experience of God's presence. And the blessing of that. So for the life here and now, God is with us, giving us peace and strength and help and conviction and hope. But that's not all. While hell is the full presence of his wrath. Heaven is the full presence of his blessing. And that's where he has his presence in us purposed to take us. John declares what that looks like in Revelation chapter 21. And in verse 3 he says this, I heard this loud voice from the throne saying this. And here's what it said. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people and God himself with them as their God. So one of the declarations of heaven that is made by this voice is that this is it. This is the presence of God. This is the full dwelling presence of God. It's right here. The fullness that it could ever be is right here in heaven forever and ever. What was lost in the garden because of sin is regained in heaven. The full presence of God with his people. And because of this presence, look at the blessing that he goes on to describe. And he will wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more, and neither shall there be more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. The purpose of blessing in his presence we experience forever and ever. And that's what makes heaven so sweet. His presence. Now, I've, I've walked with a number of families through loss, loss of loved ones. And I know many of you in this place have walked through loss. And there's a lot of funny things that are said in moments of loss. And you hear them along the way. And, and we're not at a funeral this morning. I hope it doesn't feel like one. It was a joke. So I want to address something that's said outside of that context. So some, of the, some of the things that we sometimes say that, 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 that actually miss the point of, of really the goodness and actually are a little bit of false hope. 
And, and so one of the things that we often offer each other when, when a person passes away is that, is we say that, hey, we'll be with them again one day. Now that's not false, so long as that person knew Jesus and, and you know Jesus. That's actually very true. You, you will be with them one day, and that's, that's a comforting thing to think of. One of the things that's often said, and, and I hear this a lot, and particularly when, when, uh, when someone passes away, we, we think of good things about this person. And one of the things that's said oftentimes is, well, you know, they're probably up in heaven now, finally with their loved ones. We say that in particular situations where there's been spouses that have passed away. So grandma and grandpa, and one passes away before the other, and so finally the other one passes away, and we're like, well, grandma and grandpa are back together again. Oh, how fun that must be. We finally got to see so-and-so. And, and, and you know what? It's very likely that's, that, that may have happened, that both of them knew Jesus, and they probably did reunite it. But, but listen, that's not the point of heaven. That's a, a sweet thought. But that's not what makes heaven sweet, is that Mamma and Papa are there. You see, there is, there is joy to think of the fact that, that the human relationships will be joined. But, but listen, every human relationship huh, has faults, right? Even the sweetest human relationships of husband and wife. Let's just be honest. Those of you that are with a spouse or, or if you're with a parent or, or, or a child here. You love being around them. I mean, you chose to be around them. It was your choice, not mine. You chose to be around that person. And you probably, for the most part, really, really enjoy that most of the time. Whoa, whoa, time out. We, ooh, COVID's been rough on some people. But there's one relationship that's perfect. That's always good. That never faults and never fails. That's completely healing all of the time. That's sweeter than honey. That gives peace and comfort, power and strength and satisfies and pacifies. And that's the relationship that we have with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. He's never failed you. He doesn't irritate. He doesn't break his promises. And in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. purpose of his presence is to bless, satisfy, and fulfill. That's what he wants you to taste even right now. 
Because that's what you taste and experience one day forever. Jesus promised himself, Lord, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. And the Father said in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's presence is everywhere. And there is a purpose in his presence with you. And for some of you this morning, God's purpose in his presence with you right here, right now, is to call you to himself. And what God is doing in this moment in your life is he's trying to bring you to a place and point where you can know him, where you can understand him more fully, and you can have the purpose of his peace and his hope and his joy and his presence. And that is what he's doing in the moment you're in, in the place you're in right now, that he's there, is he's calling you to himself. He wants to save you. He's trying to help you understand Jesus came to save you. And if you'll trust in him, if you'll turn from your sin and turn your life over to him, he will save you. And you can have that presence. You can have the presence of God's blessing. And he's also trying to warn you that there's a limited amount of time that you have to receive that presence and receive my son Jesus until you experience the presence of my punishment. And so this morning, my encouragement to you, where God is with you and what he's doing is you surrender to that, that you trust in Jesus this morning and you give him your life because he has so much he wants to give you and so much he wants to do in you. Would you trust him and experience the joy of God's presence in you. For others of you this morning, he just simply wants to remind you, you're not alone. You are not alone. You may be sitting at home alone, but you're not alone. You may be going through the thoughts inside of you, and they may be dark, and they may be difficult, but listen, fear not, for he is with you. He's in the midst of all of that. He's working in all of that. He is with you. You are never alone. Not alone. Because his presence is everywhere. Everywhere his presence is, which is everywhere, has a purpose. So trust him. Either as your Savior or as your Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for those people this morning right now that your presence with them is calling them to yourself. You are revealing their need for you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would break the chains and the walls that hold them back. And Lord, that they would put their faith in you today and call upon you, your presence to save them. Do that this morning. Save them. Lord, for others of us, the reminder of your sweet presence, we can't hide from it, we can't run from it, and we're never away from it, that your hand is holding us, leading us, protecting us, helping us, satisfying us. 
Oh God, teach us to not look for other hands when we have yours with us. In Jesus' name we pray. So if you've heard anything we've talked about today, I want you to understand God is with you. His presence is everywhere, and His presence has a purpose right now with you. And for some of you this morning, that presence is calling you to Him. He wants you to know Him more. He wants to walk through life with you. And He wants His presence with you to be an absolute blessing. And the way to experience that is through Jesus Christ. And by trusting in Jesus Christ, you'll have the fullness of God's presence with you in every circumstance, in every moment of life. Would you trust in Jesus today? We've got pastors and ministry team that would love to visit with you. And if you want to trust in Jesus and would love to talk with one of us, if you'll just text the word Jesus to the number here on the screen, we'd be glad to visit with you about that. He's with you and he's wanting to save you this morning. Church family, it's been great worshiping with you. We're so glad you joined us online today and uh, you're just as much a part of everything that's happening here at First Charlotte. I want to thank you for your faithfulness to tune in each week and be a part. We do miss seeing you but we also know that in this season what you're doing and joining us for worship is just as valuable and just as important. Mark your calendars for August the 30th. August the 30th we're going to have a drive-through barbecue for you on that Sunday. So as we get out of worship, you get in your car, you can swing by the church and we'll have barbecue lunch for you. We'd love to see you just for a minute on that Sunday. We love you. Have a great rest of the week and we will see you next Sunday.